Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Adjacent. You're listening to the Sports Adjacent. Okay, I like that. I just learned something new today. Adjacent. With Jason Leisure and Russell Dorsey on the House of L Network. We're doing everything I dreamed of as an adjacent. I've hardly ever been in the office in any job I've ever had. And uh, I'm, I'm thankful for that, not because... I don't like people or anything, but it's just like all the stuff you hear about about office life is stuff that's unfamiliar to me, like meetings and, yeah. uh, you know, annoying desk mates and things like that. Like it's just the jobs I've had my entire career have all been kind of independent. I mean, there was one where I was working five hours away for four years. I was in Gainesville, like in an outpost, basically. Oh my God. I, I would never go to the office then. It was yeah. I would have had to stay in a hotel to go to the office. When I was uh, I was working at the Tribune when I was coming up right after college and working on the desk doing agate. So for everybody out there, agate is when you put in you open up the paper and you see the scores listed in every box score from that night's basketball game or the NFL or baseball. I would put those in every night. Uh, It's like the worst job in the world. Yeah, at the same time. (laughs) <laughs> yes, for super it's barely low. above mailroom. I mean, it's really starting at the bottom. And I say that to you, by the way, like out of total respect. I have so much respect for the fact that you were willing to grind that out and start there instead of just being handed something. It it was like, and it's you know, it was a fun job because I felt like okay, this is me getting into the industry. Yeah, and then it would me be it was a lot of downtime where I would write stories that would ultimately not get published in the Chicago Tribune. We suck. <laughs> Shout out to them. Uh, but it put a chip on my shoulder, which worked out. Also, like you meet a lot of cool people working on the desk. Yeah. And the people that like you don't see all the time. It's one of the reasons that I treat, you know, editors really well is because like I, I was one of the people that worked behind the scenes. So I know what goes yeah. into that. So it's always yeah. important. Like, hey, hey, make sure you got your stuff in. If there's an issue, call ahead. Like, don't put those people yeah. who have to be there all night in a bad spot. That seems very basic, but a lot of people don't do that. Uh, I've I've seen a lot of people, a lot of other reporters treat those people badly over the phone. And I even had to learn that the hard way. I had a boss pull me aside, I think my first or second year and say, hey, you got to you got to watch out how you treat the copy desk, for example. Like the, that is a really difficult job. It's terrible hours. It has none of the excitement that your job has. And those guys are there every night trying to make you look good. So you don't want to be condescending or difficult or rude to those guys. And it really stuck with me. It was something I needed to hear. It was, it was a, a, I needed to uh, humble myself and hear that. And it has stuck with me forever. Like that's a really good move by that boss that I had to teach me that. And it has had a lasting impact for I don't know, 15 years or whatever it's been completely changed how I treated those people and how I thought of those people and how much I appreciate 
copy editors. Russ, when you were on the desk, did you like get to know specific callers that would call in games? Like I did it in college and there were like three old ornery dudes that would always call in and ask for like very specific high school <laughs> football scores. And like at first I hated it because I was like, dude, I don't care. Like whatever. And then like yeah. I got to know them and I was like, these are like my old man buddies that I talked to at 1045 at night. There were a lot of people that emailed stuff in. Yeah. Um, and then when it came to those type of scores, I was never the person picking up the phone. Oh, okay. Um but yeah, just little quirky, quirky things. Like I used, to, I worked in Tribune Tower right before they flipped it into uh, million dollar condos, yeah. which is really cool. So like the which last is cool, night, man. I, That's really cool. Yeah, I took I took a video of it that I still have. The last night anybody yeah. was in the newsroom there, and it was awesome. And then worked in their uh, press, like the where the paper gets printed is where they are now. Okay. Um, but it's cool. Like I, I like that job. Like it, it was very uh, starting the business work, but it made me appreciate the growth that would happen from I got out of college on. How long did you do that? Oh man! So I was doing it while working another job. I was working at a nonprofit after college, and I did it for maybe a year before I went to MLB.com. Wow. There's also something weirdly peaceful to me about like that, like a newsroom at 1030 at night. Like mm-hmm. there's, there's, a, there's a certain calmness to it that I always like enjoyed. Like all the lights are off except for like two and no one bothers you. Like there's a certain serenity in it that I always really enjoyed that. I remember being like, it's not that bad working this late. No, it, it's, it's fun. You learn like there's yeah. people from different backgrounds that are there. The coolest thing, so when I got my job at MLB.com, the last night I worked on the desk, when I left, like, the newsroom clapped as I left. And it was, like, <laughs> oh. one of the coolest yeah. things that has ever happened to me, bar none. I was just I like, think they have, they have that tradition of the Sun-Times, too, yeah. <laughs> I, I think they cla- they kind of clap people out or something like that, I believe, yeah. at the Sun-Times. At least they used to before the pandemic. Let's start the show, and I want to get into some more of this, by the way. That voice you're hearing that it may be partially familiar, less familiar to you than at least mine and Russ's, is our buddy Cam Ellis from The Score. Welcome back, Cam. Of course. Well, thanks for hey. having me again. I'm pumped to be here. Yeah, Cam Ellis joining us on Sports Adjacent. I'm Jason Leisure. My co-host, Russ Dorsey. 43 no. episodes in, Russ. We uh, have made it. Our last our last episode far. of 2021. Yes, it will. Yeah, this will come out shortly before the new year. And uh, Sports Adjacent is brought to you by BetUS. You can go to BetUS.com and use promo code SPORTSADJACENT, all one word, to get a 125% sign-up bonus. Uh, you start your account with 100 bucks, they'll kick you an extra 25 And there's quite a bit to bet on still. The sports are still going uh, in a way. They're still playing these games, especially in the NBA and the NFL right now. By the end of... Uh... By the end of the week, you and Cam are going to be playing for some basketball team. I'm in. Hey, man. It, it, hey. I got to pay better than I got now, so I'm in for it. Somebody's using, a hardship, a somebody's using a hardship exception for a 10-day yeah. contract for Cam Ellis <laughs> and Jason Leisure. Russ, and when you're talking about – I, oh, sorry, I don't dare ahead, ever shoot the basketball ever, so it's fine. Like, no. You won't, you, won't, you won't ever, ever, ever need me to shoot the ball. I'll just pass it the second I get it. I, I'm that guy. I can give this ball to Giannis and move <laughs> yeah. out of the way. <laughs> I'm just smart enough to know that. Right. But it'll be a panicked pass. Sure, oh, yeah. It'll, it'll be, be like, like how quickly really. can I fling this out of my hands? Yeah. Yeah, like a guide more so than a pass. 
Yeah, Cam is definitely the oh shit, Paul George. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Throw the ball somewhere. Russman, you were talking about your your early days at the Trib. I was thinking about my early days too, and um, it was a little bit earlier than yours. This would be like mid two thousands for me, uh, down in Miami, and there was a lot of interesting things those first couple of years. For one, I started there as an intern, and it was like the perfect timing where I started there as an intern in late August. And they had two Dolphins beat writers, one of which is Jeff Darlington, who you see on ESPN a lot uh, now. Jeff left unexpectedly like the week I started there. And they had everything going, college football, pro football, baseball still in season, basketball's a month away. And they just kind of like, we don't, we're up a creek here. Can you just help in, help out on the Dolphins like a couple days a week? And then it quickly became like, hey, just do this for your internship. You just be the number two B writer for for your entire internship, which is an amazing Sweet. opportunity yeah. as an intern. Yeah. But part of how I got that was I just started doing all the stuff that nobody wanted to do. And I started taking it very seriously. Like we do these little things, you know, NFL teams always have one day a week. Well, the Bears don't do this, but most of them do have one day a week where it's just dark. There's no access whatsoever. And so you got to fill the paper with NFL stuff that day. And so they would want little features on like, you know, how like explaining uh, the the, the technique and the fine points of the peanut punch, for example, or something like that, or yeah. uh, what happens in the bottom of a, a, a scrum or, you know, just some little featurey thing like that that could run any time. And then they'd always have this thing where you have to ask three players the same question. And um, I thought about it last week because uh, they had me go around and ask this just really corny, hacky question around Christmas time of like best Christmas present you ever got. So I'm supposed to go around the locker room and ask five different guys this question. You've probably seen people do this in the locker room and been annoyed by it because you're yes. so much far farther past that point in your career at this point, and you want to ask the important questions. Uh, and so you're trying to do that, and you're trying not to embarrass yourself, and you know, in front of your peers or people you hope to All right, one day to consider peers, you a peer. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm going around asking about favorite Christmas gift, and there was a player there, a linebacker named Channing Crowder who I don't know if you guys would have heard of him. He played at Florida. He had a decent NFL career as far as length. Uh, he's a radio host now in Miami. He has a and, pod with uh, Ocho Cinco and Brandon Marshall. Yes, and there Fred you go. Taylor. That's probably how you, pe- people nationally would know him. Yes. Yeah. Uh, great personality, like just a fantastic, sure. enjoyable guy. That's why he's had such a great media career afterwards. And uh, Channing Crowder tells me this touching story about getting a dog for Christmas. I know, Cam, you're a dog lover. I am. Uh, Channing Crowder was so pleased to get this dog. Um, and I forget what he said. He named it Scrappy or something like that. And he's just telling me this great story about how, you know, how much his family loved this dog and what a surprise it was for Christmas. And I'm like, wow, that's really nice, Channing. Like, that's great. And then he goes, well, yeah, but then it bit a cop and my dad had to shoot it in the face. Oh, my God. Oh what a God. what a calm delivery of that too. Just like, oh, by the way, that also yeah. happened. Yeah. I was like, mm, I don't know if we're gonna put that one in the paper, but <laughs> yo, it, we were it was we, interesting. You got come on, Shani. It took a sharp left turn there at the end of the story. Super sharp turn. Yeah. Imagine just like sending that clip to like your friends and family, be like, hey guys, like this is my latest. Like Channing Grouter's dad shoots dog in face after it bites cop. Like, cool. Right. Yeah. Trying to get this dude's dad canceled. <laughs> yeah. Something yeah. no one wants to hear about. There are a lot of parts of this job that people 
I think have uh, an inflated view of how how glamorous it is or how uh, luxurious it is. And one of them is travel. Uh, the travel always sounds good. And mostly it is. In my experience, yes. mostly it is. Mm-hmm. So you go a lot of cool places. You stay at pretty solid hotels. You eat at good restaurants. You get to go around the country watching football, baseball, basketball, whatever. It's generally a pretty good experience. Um, it's not always, though. I've had some bad ones. Like if you, if, Russ, have you ever been sick on a work trip? That's not good. Knock on wood, no. All right. I hope that doesn't happen to you because that has happened to me a handful of times, uh, including getting my appendix out on one work trip. But it's just like part of the deal when you travel that much, like it's going to happen where you're in New York and you're in your hotel alone and you got the flu. And it's like, you know, it'd be it'd be nice to have, you know, your wife or your mom or somebody there to help you. Uh, Wait, so you had the appendix taken out in a random city? Yeah, in Omaha. I was covering the NCAA basketball tournament like 10 years ago, and I uh, woke up morning of the game with like shooting pains throughout my abdomen, and I was like, mm, yeah, I don't, I don't think I'm going to be doing this game. Time so to get this taken th- out. Yeah. This was so long ago, Cam, that I, uh, I I called an actual taxi to take me to the hospital for that. <laughs> um, but my most recent work trip was uh, just a debacle, Russ. And I don't complain about stuff with work generally. Like, for example, having to travel on Christmas to cover this Bears game in Seattle – that's part of the deal. Like you sign, you you know, when you sign up for these jobs, like there's going to be games on holidays and birthdays and whatever. And it's not like a normal job where you can just take a day off because, uh, you know, you have a family event that day for the most part, right. you've got to cover the games whenever they are and wherever they are. Uh, if you cover basketball, you're going to have games on Christmas day. If you cover football, you're going to have games on Thanksgiving. That's part of it. Um, but from start to finish, this whole thing was a nightmare. There, there's no place in the country that's, too hard to get to flight wise from Chicago because of where we're located, but Seattle would be about Seattle, San Diego, anything on the West coast is still a solid four hour flight. Uh, I think it's four hours back, but maybe five hours out. I can't remember which is which. Um, And I went from, I don't know if you saw all the cancellations and everything that were happening, but I went from having a nonstop flight from here to Seattle to them telling me, Hey, that flight's canceled the day before. And the only way you can still get there is if you fly through Atlanta. So you go Chicago to Atlanta to Seattle. And instead of getting in like at dinner time, you get in at whatever. I think it ended up with delays. It ended up being getting into Seattle at like 2 a.m. Pacific time. Yikes. Uh, yeah. And then Seattle gets hit with something like five inches of snow. Not really that big of a deal. Something, you know, just a Tuesday around here. In fact, Literally today, today. probably that's <laughs> yes. what happened in Chicago on we're recording this on Tuesday, but five inches there was just like, I guess they don't get a lot of snow there because of some kind of atmospheric thing or whatever. I'm not a scientist, but in general, it doesn't get that cold in Seattle. I don't think so. They don't get that much snow, but five inches of snow to a place that's not ready for it. That's a disaster. And like, I could not drive my car. Uh, my car only had rear wheel drive my rental car. I could not drive my car very safely from my hotel to the stadium on Sunday morning, which was like a mile. It was a mile drive. It took me an hour. I mean, all the driving I did in Seattle, the entire, like it was still Monday afternoon and I was getting out of Seattle. It had been 24 hours since the last snowflake had hit the ground and they still hadn't cleared all the roads. Like they were, they were really struggling with this. And so all this car was not great in the snow. It was white knuckle driving the entire weekend. I was so glad just to turn that car in at the airport and be back on solid ground. But uh, then my flight home was supposed to get me in around midnight. 
And uh, everything went wrong with that. There was so many, there was a, there were staff shortages in every way at the airport. There were, there was chaos with lines. Like people didn't know where to go, which line to be in for different things. There were people on the rental car shuttle to the airport, getting their flights canceled as they were going over. Um, and the poor people that work for any airline. Yeah. I mean, that, that is, that's, that's a hard job. I think normally because everybody's delay, everybody's cancellation, uh, in normal times, they're mad at you about it, and they it is the biggest inconvenience that's ever happened in the history of the world when it happens to that person. Uh, we become super selfish when we're at the airport. All of us do. Um, I, at one point, our gate agent, as our flight kept getting pushed back, she's sprinting back and forth from one gate to another, trying to manage one flight's arrival and that crew coming over to our departure. At one point, the gate agent... She's kind of young, so she might have been pretty inexperienced. She breaks down crying. Oh, and I'm just oh, like, this is such a bad job. This is such a hard job. Um, we finally get on the plane, and now it's delayed to the point where we're going to be getting in Chicago at like 2 a.m. probably. Um, and we get everybody on, and they tell us, hey, we, uh, you know, everything's good to go. Just one thing. We don't have enough gas to get there. We got to call the refueling truck. So I'm like, okay. We'll wait for that. They said, like, that's only going to be like 20 minutes. Don't worry about it. And at this point, I'm kind of numb to it. There's been so many delays. And and by the way, Russ, the whole time, uh, this no one said this to me, but I overheard several other people hearing this, uh, being told this at different points where the flights were so backed up that they're like, we can't get you out till Thursday. This is on Monday. What? So I'm thinking, like, if this flight doesn't get out, I'm going to be here for three more days probably. And I'm looking up flights on my phone, seeing that that's probably the case because everything's sold out for the next couple of days. Um, during the 20 minutes that we are waiting for the refueling truck and getting refueled, it actually does start to snow again. And so we are refueled. We are ready to go, except entire planes covered in snow and we got to de-ice. So it's just delaying and delaying and delaying until we did finally get out and I, I got into O'Hare probably like three. I got out of O'Hare probably like three thirty in the morning, man. And uh, there was not there was nothing enjoyable about this trip. The best food I ate was probably whatever they served in the media room before the game. There wasn't like a nice dinner. There wasn't. This was far from the luxurious business trips that people imagine. I, I have you been frustrated at the airports lately though? Both of you Cam, I know you just flew in today from somewhere, didn't you? So um, it's it's not I'm not frustrated with the uh the people that work there. I get frustrated with the the other passengers, particularly in the pre-check line, Russ, you know about this. Like Yes. Pre-check's been around for like 20 years at this point. Yeah. There's no excuse for not knowing whether you have pre-check or not. And just because you have a first class ticket or just because you have loyalty with whatever airline like that's mm-hmm. not the same. Pre-checks through the government. It's not through Delta Airlines. And then even the people, though, that do have pre-check don't seem to know what's allowed in there and what's not. I feel like you need to be tested for that year in and year out. You need to pass a test that shows I understand how to use the pre-check line because if you're sitting there stripping everything down when you don't right. have to Stop be, taking off holding up every right. pre-check line. Like this whole thing is supposed to be fast. So this Go is ahead, actually – Perfect, because this exact, basically this exact situation happened to me at 4 a.m. this morning. I'm flying out of Boston. I, I, it's like 4 a.m. The line for security is literally out of the airport. I get there probably, I'm like, oh, there's not going to be people at the airport at 4 a.m. So I get there. I thought the same thing late, late Monday night in Seattle. Thought the same thing. And so I, and 
to be clear, I, just in case the government is listening, I do have pre-checks. So, so just keep that in mind. Like I do pay for okay. it. This right. is, I'm not totally breaking the law here. Um, but so Good. like the line is I get to the back of the line and I'm having like my boarding pass won't show pre-check and I've been fighting a unnamed airline on this for a week now. Like, and they just won't do anything about it. And so I went in being like, I don't need pre-check. It's 4 a.m. Turns out I get to the airport, probably a 75, 90 minute security line. I'm sitting there going, okay, I'm going to miss my flights. And so I pull, I pulled up a random boarding pass that had pre-check on it from like six months ago Uh-oh. and just walked up to pre-check and just like flashed it at him. And he was like, yeah, man, you can go. And it was like the longest 10 seconds of my life, just like waiting for him to Oof. see whether he was going to like know that it just said like San Antonio to Austin or something, right. some random two cities. And, yeah. but no, he just let me through. And I like, I got through and I probably made my flight because I got flu and, I was sitting there being like, was that like morally wrong? Because like I well, again, it's probably I paid a felony. Pre-check. Like I, I'm not totally cheating here, but there was a little bit of cheating happening at 4 a.m. this morning. I I don't think that's uh, I'm not gonna lie to you, Cam. If somebody else did that, I'd be pissed off at the airport. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I'm like, damn it, I paid my money to be in line in front of this person. Yeah. I my travel travel is insane right now. Like I was right. in Jersey a couple of weeks ago. And yep. the Newark airport, which is a huge airport. I didn't know it was that yeah. big. Like one of the longest lines I've ever seen at an airport. Right. For security or for security. Or yeah. Okay. So the regular non pre-check security, like Cam said, it's upwards of 90 minutes to two hours. It was yeah. a lot of people like, wait, it's the line starts there knowing that they're oh, going to yeah. miss their flight. And then oh, you yeah. have the people. Can we talk about the people who run in the airport? Like, bro, if you made it to the airport 10 minutes before your flight leaves, like, you're not making it, bro. Stop yeah. running. Yeah. Reschedule it. Um, I had it. to. Hey, man. God bless. But I've done it when I felt me, I had to. I had to cancel my trip to Puerto Rico for next week. Yeah. Because of COVID stuff. Dude, I was just like, I couldn't in good conscience yeah. go down to Puerto Rico and have my own little mini super spreader event. And what were you planning back here? My goodness. <laughs> I was planning to have fun in Puerto Rico. Like, what yeah, sounds like a lot of fun. What do people normally do in Puerto Rico? You were going to host a mini super spreader event? Boy, where's Tony when you need him? <laughs> <laughs> on his sabbatical, like um, flying down to Puerto Rico, probably on on board with this I, right. He's he has his own super spreader yeah. event going right now. Um, no, I I just wanted to go and like have a, a week where I just enjoyed myself and yes. I after seeing the way the world was kind of going, it didn't make sense. And then I didn't want to spend all this money to go down to Puerto Rico and get some food, go to the beach, and go to my room. Right. Yeah, that's that's a terrible like way to quarantine in Puerto Rico. Right. Like. Yeah. There's some worse place to be quarantined, but it's just like sure. I, if if I was gonna do this, like do it right, and so yeah, you got. Do you ever, Russ? Do you do you talk a lot to the people who work? I, I talk all the time to people who work for airlines and hotels because I'm just fascinated by those industries because yeah. probably because I use those industries so much. Do you talk to flight attendants and gate agents and people like that when when you're traveling? Uh, gate agents, not so much. Hotel people, a lot though. Uh, yeah. Because for baseball, you're in a hotel every a different hotel. Days. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you get to know some of the, the people in hotels. Yeah, it's cool. Um, and they like ask why you're in town, and then it's like, oh, you should go to this place. It's a really good restaurant yeah. if you're looking for somewhere. Uh, so yeah, more hotel people. 
I, I can't help myself. I can't like resist talking to an airplane person, like a flight attendant or a gate agent or ticketing agent, anybody. Like, I'm fascinated by everything that goes into all of that. And this is like pre pandemic, even I've always been like this. Um, one time I was on a flight and the person sitting next to me was an executive with Marriott. And I was like, this can be the worst flight you've ever been on because I have a thousand questions. Uh, but I have talked to plenty of gate agents and flight attendants in the past three or four months when I've been traveling for football. And I've been asking them genuinely, how's your job going? What's it been like? And not, not one of them has said it's going well, every single one. And some of them have a good, a pretty good attitude about it, but every single one of them, Russ, no matter their age, gender, whatever, they have unanimously said it has been a terrible, however many months since air travel really ramped back up. And most of it is having to deal with passengers. Most of it is just terrible behavior by people on planes, people refusing to do what is federal law and wear a mask, people uh, just getting unruly and agitated very easily and being hostile and being verbally abusive to flight attendants. Like this is a miserable, miserable job that these people are doing, you know, in a lot of cases, just so we can go on vacation or something like that. And I know they're getting paid and whatever, but like, uh, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of, uh, what would you call it? Recreational air travel. There's a lot of like, I'm not flying to Seattle to do surgery on anybody. I'm going there to cover a football game. It's not, it's not really that, you know, that important, but, uh, in the process of that, like these people, not only are their schedule, not only being overworked, but they're being just completely mistreated. Every single person from an airline that I've talked to has felt that way. It's also like, wasn't an easy job before this either. Like it, it no, was not. Right. No, it's high stress anyway. <laughs> right. Like, it's, you know, the schedule sucks. The sleep hours suck. Like it was. And I feel like every single day I watch a video of someone filming someone like just getting like rocked on an airplane i'm like literally i was sitting on an airplane today watching video of someone getting beat up on an airplane like (laughs) it is a every single day i feel like i see one of these videos i can't imagine how anyone does it there was a delta flight attendant at the hotel when i got into seattle saturday night at this is at like 1 or 2 a.m and they have all their reservations pre uh arranged by the airline for wherever they have to sleep that night and that airport that hotel did not have this woman's uh, reservation ready they couldn't find it or something like that and it's like that that was probably this woman's third flight of the day yeah and she gets yeah. in here at 2 2 a.m pacific and you don't have that ready like i i i really i couldn't blame this woman if she went off on this i, I wouldn't i i probably you know would have to say that that's what almost any person would do and she didn't these people have unbelievable composure i really i really yeah. appreciate all the people that are doing this right now and there, there was a woman yesterday like just running around scrambling or i'm sorry uh monday trying to get home uh running around scrambling trying to get people through in this this chaos this just mayhem at like 8 p.m at the seattle airport on a monday night um just trying to help people get their bags checked and get them through. just scrambling literally scrambling to do it and like that's that's really hard to do for however long your shift is eight or ten hours now is there any part like if that if a fight breaks out on an airplane you're on is there any part of either you that is like hell yeah like this is gonna be fun to watch or no, no. it's totally like please no don't. i want no, no part of any of that well, give no, me a, pair, give me a parachute like, and let me jump out please like, like sounds like, safer say your, yeah say your 10 goes back is that fun at all or like no just please leave 
Like, no, because because here's the thing, Cam. Now, if the fight breaks out, now we're on this plane for the next two hours. Yeah, true. <laughs> right? God, God forbid it happens in the air. Now, like, all hell breaks loose. But, like, yeah. imagine you're on the ground at the gate and a fight breaks out. Nobody's going anywhere for no, at least two true. hours. Yeah. And then, My like, wife had that happen on a on a flight uh, to California a few months ago, where there was a passenger giving the uh, the flight attendants, the crew, a lot of trouble getting on the plane. A lot of uh, a, a lot of I think it was about a mask, but whatever it was about, they were on the brink of kicking this person off the flight, and they straight up told this person, "The reason is if you're acting like this now, like God only knows what you're gonna do once we're airborne, and then we're kind of." stuck with you right. in this flying metal tube with all these other people. Yeah. Oh, I get uncomfortable Russ, with any kind of tension on an airplane, any kind of like you, cause you'll see like, even before the pandemic, um, even before it became like sport to act up on an airplane, uh, you would, you see a lot of things. You'd see like somebody kind of, you know, getting uh, rude with somebody with another passenger or flight attendant. Like the second there's even, I don't know why, cause I'm not like this in normal life. The second there's like a little bit of tension and confrontation on an airplane, I'm like, oh no, I want out, I want out. Cam, do you get, ner- you, uh, when you cover the Bears or the other teams, do you get nervous asking questions in the post-game press conferences? Be oh, honest. dude, so like crippled with anxiety. Every time or just Every time. questions? Like I like start sweating and like, I like don't pay attention to what people are asking because I just like, play over and over the word the, the order of the words in my head and then still like it's still like oh it's awful i have the worst anxiety about it i always have and it's never gotten any easier which is so weird i do get part of what you're saying there i, I wouldn't say i ever get nervous anymore i definitely did when i was younger and starting out but uh i do get so focused on how i want to put my question mm-hmm. if it's a touchy subject or a complicated question or a lot of times with the bears it's with matt Nagy, it's been like you have to phrase it in a way that's going to force him to answer. It's like court. Right. You have to put it in a way where there's no out. There's court. There is no escape hatch <laughs> on this. Every one of these press conferences for a long time was court. Now it's less so, Russ, by the way. It's it's kind of weird. It's like every week, every day we're in there like prefacing questions with, hey, you know, you're probably going to get fired at the end right. of the year. And he's like, well, yeah. And uh, wait, sidebar, that y'all really, that y'all, you guys are funny for that. Like, that's wild to say, hey, you're going to get fired. But since you're here, what do you think about this? It's just such a bizarre situation. It's such an awkward. I can't think of anything else like this. But if I, but to Camp's point, if I have a question where I feel like uh, this is a touchy subject or it's a complicated issue or I need to, I need to ask it in a way where you have to answer it, then I will stop hearing what everyone else is asking because I'm focused on the order in which I need to ask uh, on exactly how I need to phrase my question. Um, I would, Russ. You ever, you ever have that feeling or no? Um, or is it just kind of loose and easy breezy early, over on the baseball it's, beat? It's easy breezy now because I'm confident. Yeah. You have to build confidence over time, like you kind of talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was younger, it was just like, man, all these people who I grew up reading are in this room, and then yeah. I know this audio is going to go somewhere. So I want to yeah. sound smart, and I don't want to sound like you know dumb, uh, and I want this to be a solid question. Now it's kind of just like. I have enough confidence in myself where I don't even think about it anymore. That part of what you said there, that's definitely a Chicago thing. We're going to get eventually to a, uh, a Bill Belichick uh, press conference incident. But one more thing on what you just said, that's a Chicago thing because in Miami, like I never, I don't know if they were live streaming really or broadcasting live on this, on the radio down there. 
every single press conference. People here know the questions that you ask. Oh yeah. Yeah. They know you'll hear about whatever question you ask. They'll you'll hear about it, good or bad. Uh, you'll you'll hear about it from them. Um, I don't know who this woman was that asked Bill Belichick after a loss if he had any New Year's resolutions he wanted to share with whoever her readers are. She, I, I didn't catch I, the, I had, the outlet or the person's name. She didn't say her outlet. She didn't say her publication. Good move. Yeah. Uh, um, Either I, don't say or, or make a fake. Be like, um, yes, I'm uh, Cam Ellis. <laughs> yeah. That clip went super viral. Hi, um, football aside, sorry, but I'm doing a story about New Year's resolutions, and I was just wondering if you had any you wanted to share with your fans and our readers? Yeah, no, not right now. Okay, thanks. Maybe next week. To preface this, I know last week uh, Bill Belichick apologized to the media because he was super short with them, which, hey, good for him. And from a coach yeah. that has been historically um, – abrupt with the media i I guess it's not like me but it's like kind of his personality like hey good for him i think people should do that more um this reporter who clearly had a story that she was given asked bill belichick about new year's resolutions after they just lost the game i am a big believer in time and place right uh oh and by the way like he i think a lot of people in that room expected him to go off and no, he was he, reasonably polite. He calmly was just like, not right now. Sorry. Yeah. Right. Um, time and place is everything. There's no think, time and place for that with him, man. No, I agree. But, but that, she picks that, the worst. One, that's not the place or the time. Two, that's not the person you asked that question. Three, I appreciate that she's trying to do her job. And she, she I know, I know for a fact she was asked to do that. Yeah. But somebody at your publication who's in that room covering the pages had to be like, no, do not set her up because that's what they did. They set her up. Um, yeah. And fortunately, there's a lot of coaches. There's a lot of players that I know would have gone crazy on. Her. Sure. Yes. The blessing is that Bill Belichick didn't. Uh, and she yeah. even uh, apparently she asked Jacoby Myers, uh, wide receiver for the Patriots, the same thing. He actually enjoyed it and gave her like an answer. But like you, you know, that can't. Can I say. Can I say one nice thing about Matt Nagy? Will Chicago allow that? You just one now. And just one, yeah, one. yeah, anything yeah. more than that. Yeah. Some that woman could have asked Matt Nagy that after yeah. any loss at any moment, and Matt Nagy would have been even nicer and probably tried to answer it. He oh, probably would have. He probably would have. Um, that Cam, I was sitting. I was gonna say no, that just means he's a nice minutes. guy. It doesn't. It doesn't make him a great coach. It just means he's it a nice saves guy. Him like one, five minutes from you asking, "Hey, you're gonna get fired." What are you? <laughs> yes. Yes. It's a filibuster. It's a filibuster. Right. Yeah. I will. Yeah. I will say. He filibustered the other day, by the way, listing off the days of the week. I think Patrick asked him uh, something about Fields' injury, and Matt Nagy just said, uh, "You know, it, not in a uh, overt way, but eventually just started like, hey, we're gonna, you know, today's Monday, and uh, we're gonna keep an eye on that.'" See where we're at Tuesday and then into Wednesday, Thursday. And like, these are just the days of the week, Matt. This is all you're saying is just the days. Cam, I was sitting next to Finley in the Seattle press box when we saw this clip and we, we just couldn't make heads or tails of it. Like, what do you think happened here? Is this, this isn't a woman trying to go viral. What do you think happened here, Kim? No, I think that, I think, you know, time and place is right. I agree. But I think that there is a sort of weird unspoken dynamic about the type of questions you ask at certain events like there are questions i think it seems like 
you can ask right after the game. And then there are questions that you're supposed to ask Monday morning. And like, there's sort of this weird unspoken set of when you're allowed to ask what questions. And if she's not familiar, because like, I didn't really know that starting off. And then, you know, I was not getting super far with certain questions after games or on Mondays because yeah. they weren't really fitting in with the other, like that, the that rhythm the and that feel that you're talking about is specific to sports. So if you right. don't cover sports regularly, then which I assume that this person didn't, because if she had, there's no way she would have thought this was a good idea. But right. Which is like to, to Russ's point, a failing of her editor or whoever put her there mm-hmm. because right. You, someone has to say, Hey, that is a Wednesday afternoon question. That is not a Sunday postgame question. The other reason I know she was uh, not, a regular beat reporter, which is fine, but like she sat in the front row and asked the question when nobody else is in the front row, which is funny to me. Um, there, I sit in the ba- front row. Well, no, I, I, I every well, time pretty much. I haven't been in, a, in a, a, a press conference in a while, but uh, I don't think I was a front row guy. But anyway, that, that, I think that's another unspoken thing. Like who sits in the front row is usually like, the, the the most involved beat people, and it sort of like Correct. goes further back, right? Um, I know in baseball, there is, Cam, you were talking about what are Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday questions, right? Because mm-hmm. usually, and Jason talks about this a lot, by Wednesday, I don't care about what happened last week. It's all right. everything leading up to right. this week's game. Um, so you can kind of do whatever. In baseball, it's pregame questions, postgame questions. Pregame questions, you can almost ask anything in the yeah. world because yeah. it's not like football or basketball yeah. and hockey where you have practices. So, like, you kind of yeah. get out. The, yesterday's flushed. You might have some game uh, questions about last yeah. night's game, but it's mostly you know free for all. NBA is the same way they, at yeah. shoot arounds or pregame access, same way. Yep. Um, and so you kind of understand that that's how it's set up. But yeah, dog. I that's the funniest part is Tom. Somebody asked Tom Brady about it. <laughs> that's right. Yes. Uh, Jason, do you have that? I uh, I do have that quote on his podcast. Tom Brady said, I want to be as brave and courageous as she was asking that question to Coach Belichick after a loss. That's what I want for my new year. It was brave. Like, and actually, I don't I don't know if brave is the right word because I are you I brave if you don't know? If are you I, brave if you have no idea what's right, gonna right, yeah, I don't know you're brave. <laughs> exactly. Like I don't think yeah. ignorance and not to be say ignorance is bad, but like not knowing and bravery are not the same thing exactly. Like if I like, like if uh, I swim across a, a river. If I swim across a river and then when I get across it, you tell me, hey, that was full of crocodiles. I don't know that it was that brave what I did. Right. Yeah, I was just, you know, naive. But I would say (laughs) after the fact that it was super brave and be like, yeah, I swam across a river full of crocodiles and I knew that the whole time. Stared them down. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I hadn't. Russ, I hadn't thought of your point, which I thought, which is I agree with. It's very true that uh, that was that was as nice as you could have imagined Bill Belichick. Yeah, no, he could have ripped her. He could have, like, destroyed her for asking that, and he didn't. It's really not that embarrassing of a clip. You see him, like, taking the question, realize that, like, okay, this person doesn't do this. I'm not going to tear this person down, which I respect that. Like, I saw what we all saw what Nick Saban did to Maria Maria Taylor Mm -hmm. at halftime uh, for a – a question that she was supposed to be asking. A valid question. So, yep. a valid, valid question. So, yeah, there's a lot of people out there who would have uh, tried to make her look bad and, and then made themselves look bad. But uh, 
Yeah, and I wonder if that's sort of the irony of it is that like Bill's considered like the most tough guy to ask questions, but I wonder if a more volatile coach would have definitely ripped apart where like Bill's not giving any answers to anyone after a loss, you know, like in a, in a way it's almost the most safe person to ask because yeah. you can ask him any question you want. And he's going to say basically like the same six words, you know, like if you ask an yes. angry coach that maybe isn't Bill Belichick, I bet you could be like, I bet you'd get a more angry answer than just the, curmudgeon Bill six-word answer. Yeah, he didn't not even said no. He's like, not right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Right. Russ, do you ever see those guys like Belichick and Popovich and Tortorella, like the real difficult coaches for the media? Do you ever see those guys and think like you'd like covering them? Like you'd I figure think, it out? Like you'd crack the code and figure out how to deal with them? I think that's one of the fun parts of the job to me. I think is so too. Mm-hmm. Everybody's not the 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 shining, glowing personality. So you have to figure out how to talk to this person and get this person to open up about different things. And I think for me, yeah. from a personal standpoint, um when I first got onto the beat, the the way David Ross answered my questions from the first day I was there to like if i asked him something like yesterday is completely different like it's night and day in terms of what what do you mean in terms of i think every coach manager player want to in the back of their minds know all right does this person is this person aware of the things that are going on right and then they know as much as i know right and do i share now complex things because one do they understand even understand this will they do it in a way that's not trying to um, get me. Yes. To get to. And once people know that, Hey, I'm asking an honest question. I'm just trying to get it for the people to understand the fans understand. They're like, Oh, okay. I can have a conversation with you. And so over time, building that relationship with a player and or manager, I think that's a cool part of this job. Um, and even within coaching staffs, like people are different and seeing who a coach puts in place, because sometimes the people that are around that staff are completely different than the person that's, you know, the coach and or manager, sure. uh, which is also yeah. cool. Like, OK, this person doesn't have 12 of them walking around these halls. It's like a lot of different personalities. Um, so, I, I, yeah, I just think that's a cool part of doing the job. Uh, baseball, especially, is that's cool because I feel like baseball those conversations like no one ever gets that intimate with like of a conversation with Matt yeah. Nagy you know like you can't walk into Matt Nagy's sure. office the way right. in normal times you would hear stories about you know the manager of a baseball team just having the beat in his office for 20 minutes of you know talking around and yeah. stuff like that there's a there's a conversational level of baseball that I feel like you can't really get with other coaches unless you really really like know them well you get it in the like, NBA but you certainly do not in football yeah. Yeah. It's it's nine months I'm with this baseball team. Right. 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 And so you're going to have conversations, stuff that's off the record, uh, fun conversations. It's times where um, somebody pulls you inside and be like, yo, I saw you wrote this. Like, oh, can boy. I talk to you about this? And it's like not in a bad way. Or you asked me this question last night and I answered it like this. This is why I did X, Y and Z. And you have real conversations where I come back yeah. and I say, this is why I asked you this question. This is why I think it was valid. Uh, I appreciate you talking to me about it. And you build a rapport with somebody that way where that's really how, like that's doing this job to me, right? That's yep. what gets missed 
when you're not when you're doing um, press conferences like we are right here on Zoom. on Zoom and things like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the I NFL's can't. been sleeping on that for a long time, though. The NFL has been working against itself in that regard. And I think of like, you know, when I covered the Heat, I would ask challenging, difficult questions to someone like Dwayne Wade, who is globally famous, yeah. famous in every country in the world, practically. Um, and we never got into it once. He never took it the wrong way. I would ask him questions like kind of challenging him on certain things about his game, about what, you know his three-point shooting, things like that, uh, aging, all the different things that guys don't always like to talk about. But we had that established relationship of like, you know, I'm not coming at you. I'm trying to understand you. And then I went from that into covering the NFL where you've got Ryan Tannehill, who I, I don't even know if most people would recognize him if he walks through your local grocery store, especially at that time. And it's like you're only going to see him at press conferences. You're never going to have a side conversation with him. And so any question you ask that sounds critical or challenging uh, or, or kind of spark to try to spark a debate is going to come off as an attack. Yeah. And he's yeah. not going to engage that. And Jay Cutler, I know he's a bad example because of his personality or whatever, but he was in Miami and it was the same thing. There were plenty of things that would have been interesting to learn about him, especially at that point at when he's in his last season and he's hanging on and he's playing through broken ribs or whatever. And it's like he just won't even – he won't even engage that conversation because he feels like everything's an attack. And that's what it's like when you don't, we're not able to establish relationships with these people. And I think that is probably why that like feeds into my neuroses at these press conferences is that like that <laughs> sort of thing. Like I, I don't yeah. get to have the personal conversations. I just like throw my one my one question at Allen Robinson or Justin Fields and he'll be like, no. And I'm just like, oh, no, like he just one word to know me. Like, I'll never, ever forget this. Um, and it, the, the intimacy of it, the building relationships part of it is really like what brings, I think, people from like it gets people into the next sort of echelon of beat reporters, I think, is like being able to less so ask questions and more so like build relationships that opens up those questions. But I don't know, because I'm not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this is the part of the show where we find out if Tony has um, done his assignment of creating a news, a breaking news sounder for an update on whether or not baseball is locked out. So I'm going to pause here to see if he'll put it in. And now I'm going to assume, now I'm going to assume <laughs> that he didn't. He didn't. Yeah. Right. We go to our baseball reporter, baseball insider, uh, Russ Dursey, as Tony calls him. <laughs> I've only been your friend for over a year now, Tony. Thanks. Russ, what's oh the latest gosh. on the baseball uh, situation? Are they still locked out? Yes. Thank you, Russ. It was good to have you on the show today. Uh, <laughs> do, you know, why don't you update us on the other sports, too, while you're at it? Yeah, I know you're a baseball insider, but you probably know what's going on. Uh, hockey, yeah. are they playing? Is hockey playing? Hockey is, hockey is still stopped <laughs> because of COVID outbreaks. And the NHL, they had a memo before Christmas that were like, hey, there are too many outbreaks going on. We're shutting everything down. Don't bring your yeah. ass to any facility. We're not having practices. And the we'll Olympics pick things are back up. Yeah, we're, nobody's going to the Olympics, and we'll pick things right. back up after the holidays. And as of today, there still have been no games since last week. As of Tuesday, we're still waiting. So, okay, so let me write. Hold on. I got to write this down. So we got baseball not playing. There's one, ga- one game today. today. We got hockey. We think hockey was playing? one game. One the game. Lightning and, and the it, Canadians played for the first time in like it did go off. Week. Okay. All right. So hockey is back then. All right. But the other game tonight got postponed. So 
Okay. And NBA? NBA, that's still going. Because as Adam Silver uh, told, to 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 paraphrase Adam Silver when he's talked to our good friend uh, Malika Andrews, it's too much money moving. We are not shutting shit down. So, yeah. That interview. Um, um, And then NFL, I believe, uh, is their policy still, uh, we don't want to know. Well, I mean, look, thanks to thanks to uh, your, your your place, Delta CEO, who yeah. stood in front of the CDC. Right. The quarantine days have officially gone from 10 to five, both, I guess, globally. Um, and also the NFL is adopting that NFL and NFLPA announced today that players who have tested positive for COVID now only have to quarantine for five days instead of 10. Yeah. And that includes Even unvaccinated, unvaccinated players like players. Carson Wentz. Yeah. Which doesn't make sense and doesn't necessarily follow the science, but you know, there you go. And they don't even have to test again after the quarantine. They just quarantine yeah, and they're back. This this doesn't seem uh safe, but you know, money rules the day. You and Tony, I was telling you guys a couple of weeks ago, I was saying I I bet you by twenty twenty two or around then, like the NFL will go to basically just not having COVID protocol anymore. Yeah. And I can't remember. I think it was Tony that I think Tony was the one that thought that that's crazy. That's not going to happen. Um, and you were more on to the money side of it of like, yeah, they want yeah. Aaron Rodgers playing against the Chiefs in that game. And I mean, here we are. Is this that far from it? Is this that far from no. it? No, no. Like, especially because you're saying after having those strict policies when we first started in the summer and training camps to now, I mean, even if you're not vexed, eh, come back in five days. Yeah. Yeah. I was also like on board. I was like, oh, cool. Five days. And then afterwards, I only learned that it was because the Delta CEO asked for it. And I was like, oh, like all the goodwill I had about being like, all right, science is like discovering things and we're learning on the job and we're taking this in stride was just once again reaffirmed that like, nope, it was just an airline CEO asking for it. And that's why we're here. Love it. Sports, sports adjacent. The adja- that was the adjacent part of sports adjacent. Some sad news today in the football world. Legendary coach broadcaster John Madden passed away today at the age of 85, or Tuesday, um, December 28th, whenever you listen to this podcast. Um, coaching legend still holds the record for the highest winning percentage in NFL history, 759. Uh, longtime coach, Super Bowl champ of the, the Oakland Raiders when they were still in Oakland. Broadcasting legends, you know, did a lot of Sunday Night Football. Um, and then a pop culture icon with his game Madden that is yeah. legendary. And I think a lot of people my age, Cam's age, Jason, even for you, like grew up playing Madden. Right. Um you talk to guys in the NFL, it's like, I grew up playing Madden. I learned coverages playing Madden. Like, I this is a one of the guys in the pantheon of legends in the NFL passing away. Yeah, it's interesting to me. I think that the thing, one of the things I find most fascinating about him is that he transcended so many different generations. Yeah. Like you said, there's so many people that I, I grew up, he was still on TV, um, but even people who would be 20 that didn't would still be familiar with him. And I think it's cool also that he sort of like got his moments again, like with that documentary that just came out, like what, last week or whatever? Like, Yeah, it, on uh, it, Christmas. 
Right, and, and it's sort of a, a bittersweet sort of coincidence, I guess, that he he is, you know got his flowers, so to speak, one last time like this. Like right. it was sort of a nice little, um, sort of a nice sort of come back around circle sort of thing, which was yeah. But like I didn't really know him as much of a broadcaster. I mean, you know he's a football coach, but like like you said, like Madden to me is all just like the video game stuff, which is just wild to be like to have those to have such stark different careers and be so wildly successful at both is just like unbelievably cool in so many different ways. It doesn't happen that way for everybody, right? Like you can, you have guys who are not successful coaches that are great as a analyst and great on air, but then you have that, that those, those guys who are happen to be good at both. And he showed, I guess he showed a lot of coaches that you can do that. Like, Hey, you can go from being a coach coaching guys every Sunday to, Hey, I'm having fun. I'm in the booth. I'm meeting people. I'm I'm having fun doing this thing outside of what I know. I'm gonna create a, a video game like for for kids that changes. You know, it's, it's one of the most popular games of all time, right? It's oh, yeah. one of the most popular franchises of all time when it comes to video games. So, yeah, it doesn't always happen that way. But like a guy who that paves the way for a lot of different people in a lot of different avenues. And to have the schedule that he had and never get on airplanes is even more impressive. <laughs> like he to, to to be a announcer and take a bus everywhere across the country is wild, especially like in this day yep. and age. So shout out John Madden, because I would never be able to do that. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency or time of day. You're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, Russ, do you want to get into football roundup while we're uh, yes, while we're on the subject of one of football's all-time greats? Please. Uh, we, we have our weekly football roundup here, Cam, where we just get everybody caught up on all the, the most important news from the football weekend. And it's brought to you by BetUS. You can go to BetUS.com and use promo code SPORTSADJACENT, all one word. You get 125% sign-up bonus when you do that. Um, I looked up a bunch of the odds on uh, for the championships in the three sports that are currently playing, Russ, and I wanted to update you on that. These are uh, live odds right now on BetUS. Um, who do you think they have to as the favorite in the NBA right now, Russ? In the NBA? Um, is, is it the, the Warriors? It's the Nets. You're close. You're so close. It's the Nets at 13 to 4, followed by the Warriors at 15 to 4, okay. and then the Bucks and Suns at 8 to 1. Lakers still 12 to 1. People are not ready to bail on the Lakers. And you, that is I mean, that team is awful. Yeah. Uh, they got LeBron. Like, we'll see what happens. LeBron has to play 40 minutes a game at 37 years old now and score 30 points a game, which I don't think he thought he'd have to do at this stage in his career. Yeah. Right. And True. 
Anthony Davis uh, is either hurt or not scoring 30 points a game. And so, and, and Russell Westbrook, who I love is not playing the greatest brand of basketball right now. Like that's not a good team. He, I, he has done well. I know that this is going to sound very biased because it's what I covered. He has done very well since leaving Miami. He has never been in as good of a situation as he was in in Miami. It, he has never been more set up to thrive and win as he was there. It's not no, that easy to just pick two stars. They've got to really fit. I thought the Anthony Davis thing would help, but it's not gone the way I think even LeBron thought it would. Even no, though they I'm won sure a championship, that. right? Yeah. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Um, in the NHL, you got the Avalanche as the favorite at six to one, the Lightning at eight to one, the Maple Leafs and Panthers at nine to one. And the latest Super Bowl odds, Super Bowl to win the Super Bowl from BetUS Chiefs seven to two, Packers four to one, Bucks eleven to two, and then Cowboys, Rams, and Bills at ten to one. A couple of game, a few games you want to look at this weekend. The Bears are a shocking seven point favorite. I can't remember the last time the Bears were a seven point favorite. Maybe when they played Jacksonville last season. Uh the Bears are minus seven at home against the Giants. They finally found a team worse than them. Uh the Bucks are minus 14 at the Jets. Bills minus 14 and a half against the Falcons. Cowboys minus five and a half against the Cardinals. And Sunday night football the Packers are minus seven against the Vikings. Russ, we start football roundup as we often do with the heavy ones. ESPN report. Uh, you don't roll your eyes. You love Cole Beasley. He's endless <laughs> entertainment and content for our show. You, you love that. him in a, in, a, in, that in that way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's not totally different. Completely different kind of love than what you have for Cooper Cup. Correct. Yes. <laughs> uh, ESPN. ESPN reports that Cole Beasley, hero of the unvaccinated has been fined about $100,000 this season for violating COVID protocol, uh, including violating it, Russ, uh, on a day that the NFL reps were at the facility to reinforce and re-emphasize the rules that he has said all along he'd be following. He said, I'm not getting vaxxed, but I will follow your rules, and uh, clearly not. Uh, Now he's making almost $5 million this year, so he'll be all right. Uh, Since... We have Cole Beasley in the news. I would like to remind you that he has a second job, too. So he'll probably financially, really. I mean, when your first job is making $5 million a year playing wide receiver and your second million dollars probably making untold fortunes as a rapper, uh, $100,000 is nothing to the heavy ones. Um, And Tony's not here, but I don't want to lose the Tony reading segment. So I think maybe we can have Tony play the imaging and just kind of dub Cam Ellis's name over this. I would like, Cam, for you to read just some of the lyrics from Cole Beasley's 2018 smash hit, 80 Stings. And now, Cam Ellis reads. Luckily for me, I don't have to read it. I can just recite it off of memory. Right, um, yes, yes. So we will we'll start from the top. Okay, so here we go. This is just a, um, a sampling of it, a sampling. Yeah, this is this is my moment. I was born for this exact moment here, and we've all come to hear it, so here we go. Pull the sauce out. Pour the sauce on him. That's too much. Good wife, that's too clutch. Without a backbone, you can't do much. Making moves like food trucks. Getting to the bread till it's chewed up, and my bank accounts look juice up. Who knew, huh? White dude rapping too tough while I suit up. Russ, are you laughing because it's so good? Or I'm laughing because 
This is way better with Cam reading it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> that was hilarious. Like um, he says, "White dude rapping too tough." I, I really like. I, I can nail this delivery more. Cam than killed the delivery. That yeah. that is what makes it. Cam killed. Okay, the well, that's because Cam felt that in a way that only right. Cam could. Cam right. identified with that line. I like, can see I, Cam I, in his bathroom rapping this to himself in the mirror. Who hasn't Cam. thought about getting bread till it's chewed up? Like I, 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 I relate to all of these things so intrinsically that it just sort of it speaks to my soul in a way that no other poetry does, and that's why I love it. Russ, we mentioned Tom Brady earlier in the show. He is in the news for uh, a week ago when they played the Saints, and they I think they lost nine nothing, didn't they? Uh, he smashed his tablet, and not an iPad. It's the oh. Microsoft Surface tablet. Smashed it uh, after watching one of his interceptions on it. And uh, he said on his podcast this week that the NFL warned him if he does that again, he's going to get fined. But Brady says, you know, kind of out of the, you know, with a wink that he actually gave Microsoft some pretty good publicity by doing that. Tom, I agree with him. Also, f- find me NFL. I'm Tom Brady, whatever. Like, I'm going to keep throwing yeah, the tablets when I want to. I don't want to eliminate Microsoft as a potential sponsor. Okay, fair enough. But I feel like that's probably not going to happen anyway, so maybe I'm free to do this. I, I've never seen anybody with one of those in real life. The only place I've ever seen one is on the sideline of a football game. Everyone has an iPad. Yeah, come to think of it, I don't think I've ever even seen anyone be like, oh, like, let me get my tablet out. I, I can't think of it. Like, maybe they're just – are they just no. for the NFL? Or, like do, like, do they sell them commercially? Um, they must, right? I would imagine you can go to Best Buy and get a uh, Microsoft Surface. Oof. He's not the first person I've seen throw one of those things either, by the way. <laughs> Baker Mayfield, he, he's the best quarterback the Browns have had since I can't really remember when, but, um, you know, that's not saying that much. And he's having a disaster of a season. He's injured. He's a non-throwing shoulder injury, and I'm sure that's not helping. Uh, and in a 24-22 loss to the Packers, this week, he goes 21 for 36, 222 yards, two touchdowns, four picks, a 55.3 passer rating. And uh, now his wife says on social media that he's been getting death threats over this. And I'm sure that those are not serious, credible death threats. It's more just people taking it way too far on Twitter. But uh, it really is crazy that people do that. And you saw, you, you know, you see, we've been talking about fan incidents for a while here. Uh, a lot of them in the NBA. And and this is not that different when you're seeing stuff like this on Twitter. But um, I, I just don't understand people uh, wanting that part, wanting that to be part of their sports experience. Yeah, it's, I, I don't know, like, I think we try to rationalize how, where somebody's mind goes with that. But you when you think about it more, like, I, I don't think, like, it doesn't make sense. Like it shouldn't, your fandom shouldn't take you to the places that it takes people to. And also, Cam, do you not, think it's do you think it's video games and fantasy football and stuff like that that it's people are disassociating the players and the stats from being actual people, or what do you what do you think this is? I think that's part of it. I, I think that this. I think that people are more inclined to feel like they have a right to be that angry at people now. Like I think that 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 type of anger is for whatever reason generally more accepted now than it was or or embraced publicly now more than it was or allowed publicly now more than it was um like i i i i think that it people just 
you know, people just take football so seriously. And there's this weird idea that it matters to them more than it does players because their dad or their mom or their grandparents were there. And like, they have three generations of Ellis's in Cleveland or whatever. And like that, Mm -hmm. like that really matters at all to these people. So I, I think it's sort of between everyone feeling like they can be publicly angry now and that it's sort of this idea that the players owe them something that they really don't. I don't know. And finally, Russ, you have Bears wide receiver Allen Robinson back from COVID finally. Uh, yeah. Good for him. But it sounds like this was brutal. And he's vaccinated. Uh, from uh, from Patrick Finley of the Sun-Times, I read today that Allen Robinson says he lost 10 pounds during his battle with COVID and uh, not quite back yet. I, he was hoping to play Sunday against the Giants, but his breathing, his running, he's not back to, to normal yet. He had fever, throat, congestion, all the stuff that everybody else has had. And uh, it, what a tough year for Allen Robinson, a guy who's been a total pro, does everything the right way. You're looking at playing hurt all, a lot of the season. He's got 32 catches, 353 yards, one touchdown. Worst stats of his career other than the the year that he missed the whole season. And it's just such bad timing as he goes into free agency again this year. Yeah, it's, that's a guy who's going to have to go one year, prove it deal, and then try to make it up in two years. He's 28. It's little. It's tough to keep doing that. I mean, I'd you you would yes, but it's kind of the hand you've been dealt. Yeah. And do you take right. a below market value deal because you don't want to have to be back in the free agent market? Or do you say, all right, I'll go somewhere with a decent quarterback. I'll make up for it. I'll have a decent year and get paid at 30 for three, four years. And then, you know, let that be your last big deal. And, and you know, on the COVID side of things, like people talk, oh, you know, if, you, if you're if you in shape and, and you're, you have a good right. fitness, COVID mm-hmm. is not going to really hurt you. Allen Robinson is as athletic as basically anyone on the planet. And it by all accounts kicked his ass for two weeks to the point where he can't even really breathe right like if it does that to Allen robinson it can do that to anyone so like it just sort of speaks to how serious it is even for some people who are vaccinated and in the best shape of their lives like it it, it is it, it does not discriminate in that sense it had uh, jason tatum of the celtics i believe wasn't right. he using an uh, J- yeah he was using a Where's inhaler jalen brown wasn't back to 100 percent after he got it like this is not something to play with, despite um, the loud minority saying otherwise. Russ, let's pivot from uh, football roundup to one of my favorite segments we've done with Cam Ellis, which is Cam's 11 thoughts. Now, this is meant uh, Cam's going to give his 11 thoughts on the Bears. Uh, this is meant to one up. Uh, the 10 thoughts on the Chicago Bears that we all know exists out there. Uh, Cam, do you have 11 thoughts this time? You know, more or less. You know, somewhere around 11 is a good place. How many do you have, Cam? How many do you think you have? I have, you know, eight. Okay, all right. So let's, Tony, play the imaging and just, uh, can we just dub that and change that to Cam's eight thoughts about the Bears? Because uh, that's all we have this week. Right. Cam Ellis's eight. Bears thoughts. Um, and I'm sorry if people hear this that are on the Bears that may not like it because I'm, I'll just say I'm sorry. That uh, probably means right. it'll be funny, Cam. Let's yeah. go. Okay. Number one, you know, 
there's been a lot of rumors about Matt Nagy's future. And I was thinking to myself, like, it, it seems like the Bears have had a hard time firing Matt Nagy in the middle of the season. And, you know, the, yes. the reports about midseason firings and stuff. And I, I was thinking to myself, like, if the Bears really wanted to, to drop Matt Nagy, they could just throw him at Darnell Mooney. Boom. Number one. <laughs> right there. I knew Russ would like that one because I see Russ. No, no, yo, the, the week, my weekly uh, <laughs> Darnell Mooney drop tweet. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, Cam. I really, I wrote that and I was like laughing. I was like, Russ, you love this Number two, uh, Cam. Number two. This is my, this is my funniest joke of all. Ready? Mitch okay. Trubisky has more Pro Bowls than Roquan Smith. Well, that's just a statement. That, was actually, that one's sad. That was more sad than anything. I have in parentheses sell with delivery after that, so I'll work on that one for a little bit. Of course he did. Of course he yeah. did. Um, number right, three, number um, I, I I hate to be a fatalist. I know we're sort of in a, in a bad spot right now, but if they're mm. already canceling the San Diego County Credit Union Holiday Bowl, I don't think there's a lot of hope for less important games like the Bears versus the Giants. <laughs> Moving on. You're killing it, Cam. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I am available for birthday parties and bar mitzvahs. Um, <laughs> number four. Um, I think there's been a lot of talk recently made about how the Bears haven't really used, you know, the, the, they have a, a window of two weeks to interview new coaches if they want to. And right. people have been yeah, worried about yeah. why the Bears haven't taken advantage of that two week window. And I just mm-hmm. want to know 36 hours later, are we sure we're not just waiting for Virginia McCaskey to finish her answer? Damn. There we go. Moving on. Damn. Uh, Damn, Cam. I didn't see, know you were going there. I was, I was in a spicy mood when I wrote these. Um, he's a, he's a savage. Little, this one gets a little political, so don't, let's let number it's five. From here. Um, are we on five? We are on five. Out of Cam Ellis's uh, world-famous 11 thoughts. Nope, not this week. Cam's eight <laughs> thoughts on the Bears. His world-famous something amount of thoughts. Um, yes. a, a story came out today about the January 6th insurrection where allegedly the plan for the January 6th insurrection was called the Green Bay Sweep. And I thought to myself, wow, it must really suck to be a Bears fan when the plan to overthrow the government is called Green Bay Sweep and more people would still rather root for the Packers. (laughs) At least they're laughing. I'll take it. No, um, I did not know where that was going when you started. Yeah, I was like, Cam, bring it around, please. <laughs> yeah, Help. Yeah. I had to lay on my plane be? a little bit on that one. Um, hmm, insurrection talk, huh? I, yeah, yeah. I, I figured that one might get the old Tony uh, Tony Gill edit, but we'll see. Um, I also <laughs> no, think he doesn't hard. edit anything. He, uh, perfect. I love it. No, All right. Not um, unless we make him. I also think it's hard. You know, it's hard to be a Bears fan when this one's mild, when you can legally buy weed a mile away from the stadium and they're still this mad about everything all the time. <laughs> I wouldn't be, and I'm not. He says in his tie that Grateful Dead shirt. Um, yeah. Moving on. Um, number seven. We're almost done, I promise. Um, okay. The Bears beat the Bengals in week two. Remember that? Like the Bengals. Yeah, yeah, good. yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, exciting. Just, just goes to show you, I think, that like, the parody of today's NFL means that any team out there can peak eight days into their season. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. This is turned We're... into a uh, Jason Leisure column. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> these aren't really thoughts. Like, like I don't like, like I, there's no football analysis in these, I realize. Um, but that's what the real ones are for. 
Uh, I'm not. I'm not as funny as him, Russ. I couldn't. I'm. I've no. I see you over there. I see you over there writing. Like you're like, oh, Cam. I'm just trying to keep track of where we're at. (laughs) I'm trying to keep track of where we're at, and I'm trying to maybe pick one of these that I could steal for a column and see if it's okay with Cam later. Perfect. But this could be the one that I'm excited. Number eight, Cam. Number eight. Um, I don't know if you guys are big into Marvel movies. I recently saw this, the latest Spider-Man movie, um, Mm -hmm. and I, I, I think we can spoil a little bit of it. I. I enjoyed how at the end of it, all the different Spider-Men from all the different movies teamed up and against the odds, they won. And it was really exciting. I didn't think it was going to happen. And 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 I, it left me, when I was leaving the theater, thinking about how if all the Bears QBs from all different eras came together, they could probably mm-hmm. do the same thing and like maybe even get to seven wins in one season. It'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And that's it. Thank you very much. Tip your waiter, please. Uh, I'll be here all week. That was Cam Ellis's eight thoughts on the Chicago Bears, Russ. We here at Sports Adjacent have started this year, brand new podcast. This is our 43rd episode. Like we've come a long way, Jason. Like, have you yes. really stopped to think about man, this this is our 43rd episode? We're going into 2022 and knocked out 43 podcasts. Yeah, I think it was about a year ago we started talking about this, and it has. Yeah, it, this is a this is a modest success. I'm very uh, objective about that, but it's been it's been much more than I ever figured it would be. I mean, this is yeah, it's been great. It's been a great year. It's been a great year. Forty three episodes, two cool sponsors that have helped us do our thing. We've grown our fan base. People have tuned in each week. I'm still shocked by that, but we appreciate you for hitting play. When you see that notification on your phone, whether you go to Spotify, um, Apple Music, or um, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you find your audio content, people are coming back. And so like, one of the things that you look back at the full year that we've had, and this has been a long year. Like, I thought 2020 was long. 2021 has been equally as long. And I think yeah. of when our our podcast started, Tony was Tony wasn't, and he's not here to defend himself. So this is even better. Um, <laughs> Tony was out in these streets and like dating, really trying to find the person he loved. And now we go into our last episode of twenty twenty one. He has an awesome girlfriend named Stephanie. She's dope, and like, look at the things our podcast does. We brought Tony the love of his life. Yeah, we're going to really. We're going to we Okay. Yeah. Wow. We should. We should. Yeah, sure. Why? Is it, do we get like a tax write off for that or something? I think so. Yeah, we, we can talk to our, our accountant after the show. Okay. All right. <laughs> but like, no, I think it's I feel like it was, if anything, this podcast, if she, if she was ever to listen to it, would be working against that effort. But go on. I mean, that would be over uh, of Tony's own volition, but. You know, that's yeah, correct. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but no, nah, I mean, like, I, I'm just really happy that we started the pod and like thinking about a year ago when we really started this for everybody at home. I think Jason and I had started, we were at dinner one night and we were like, dude, let's, we should do a pod because I don't want to do a baseball one. I know you don't want to do another football one. Uh, and I don't want to talk about sports because we're, we're two dudes that are like, have a lot of different interests. So let's just yeah. like throw something together and coming up with the concept seemed super difficult at the time. And we're like yeah. banging our head against the wall. Then it was like, what are we going to call this thing? Uh, 
How are we going to get to 30 minutes on an episode? How are we going to No, make that was a legitimate How are we going to stretch life? this to 30 minutes? And when we did the practice one, we did like a rehearsal one, Kim. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it was atrocious for one. Oh, but God. also it was like, can we possibly get it to 30 minutes? Here's the thing, Cam. Like we did the practice one. I knew going into it, it wasn't going to be good. But I wasn't scared of that because like, dude, it's our first one. Right. We don't. We shouldn't have to practice doing it a podcast like i think it's gonna come natural over time yeah we finish it we listen and like obviously it was super rough and jason calls me and jason calls he's like man like i we did the practice one and i'm not gonna lie to you dude it, it just wasn't good oh, no. <laughs> and, I, and, and so i was just like jason of course it wasn't good we did a practice podcast yeah, <laughs> where we basically good. laid everything out i'm like dude it's not always gonna be like this like right. we gotta trust it i didn't think it would. I didn't think it would it's part of the process it's part of the process yeah, for sure you can do some and and probably the first few actual episodes were not great i don't well, like going back and listening. they were probably hit and miss there are probably parts of them that yes. are good and parts of them that are not and that's what you expect that's that's how you end up getting where you want to be eventually I well, think that's I was what I was wondering. Like, about was that. it the was the second one just like night and day way better? Or like, did it was it a sort of like a, a process and motion sort of thing? Second one was a lot better. Okay. Yeah, it we wasn't felt there that yet. Each, it wasn't there yet, but it was definitely better. Yeah. Go ahead, we felt that each week, like we were growing, right? Yeah. Um, into something where like, yeah, I like the segment. Nope, mm-hmm. I want to change how we do this. Let's yeah. keep this segment and start doing this every week. Let's get rid of this a hundred percent. Should we let Tony talk more? <laughs> <laughs> that was really good. It's like, <laughs> and I, I want to be like, but it's like, I we we thought like Tony was part of the reason we have Tony doing what he does. Um, oh, and by the way, Tony's on a little sabbatical. He'll be back. Yeah. It's fine. Uh, but everybody's like, where's Tony? Like, that's, that's where he yeah, is. We are going to get a lot of that when this releases. Oh, I know. I know we are. So that's why I figured put the PSA in now. But um, when we decided we wanted Tony to produce for us, we were all friends and we felt like, this is the thing that that's our spark. Like I had something to bring to the table. Jason had something to bring to the table together. We were going to have something really good. And then like what helps spark us? We thought it was Tony and just be that firecracker. Every group but, of friends needs a wild card. Yeah. Right. I think when we thought about that, we didn't know how, how much of a firecracker he would be. And so it's trying to decide how do we, continue to let Tony cultivate these ideas that are ridiculous, but very entertaining, but still maintain mm-hmm. some structure to our podcast. And like that, watching that process grow has been really fun for me. And then also I think really fun for our, our listeners. And then now what we're trying to do digitally in, in clips. And I don't want to speak too much for Tony, but I feel like he probably learned a lot about being an adult from these podcasts. Like, I feel like, you know, <laughs> Bedtimes and and morning routines and, yes. and how long to be at certain places. Like Tony learned a lot of valuable lessons on this podcast in the first year. I feel like I, I feel like you're so speaking too. for yourself there a little bit. Like, did you also learn too. something? Okay, all right, there it is. Cam was like, "Wait, you're supposed to be at the airport two hours before?" <laughs> yeah, like yeah. what? You can't just cut the whole line. That's crazy. Right. That sounded too authentic from Cam to be what he thinks Tony yeah, thinks. That sounded like, yeah, my friend learned a lot from this. That's just goes to show you your listeners live vicariously through Tony, right? Like he's <laughs> yeah, the, honestly, he's, he's the spark plug. He's the bridge to your listeners. Jason, what was uh, what has been? And I'm putting I'm putting you on the spot here, so you're at the freestyle. Yeah. What is has been your um, favorite part or favorite episode uh, from 
the 43 that we did in our first year. Uh, the episode where we had Billy Gill on was pretty good. That was funny. And and it was one of those things that worked perfectly where um, you didn't know him at all. No, you and him, you and him clicked from the jump and that just made it. You, you went into that with a very good, like open minded attitude toward somebody you didn't know. And it just all kind of the chemistry was there right away. And it was pretty good. That was funny. I, I think that's probably some of the best stuff. It's just in general. That's when things are going really well here is when. And this is tough for me because I'm a planner and I'm very thorough and everything. And like it, it's better when it's looser. It's better when it just starts to become kind of freewheeling. And that's that's part of what Tony brings to the show. And uh, yeah. Cam certainly brings some of that to the show. A lot of the guests, a lot of times when we bring a guest onto the show, I feel like they're they're adding that element, whether it's been Cam, Layla, Maddie, Lawrence, whoever. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, it loosens things up. I it's think, also tough to do yeah, on Zoom. Do. Like, it, like podcasts are way harder to do even on yes. Zoom settings than they are. Like yeah. in a room, conversation just flows so much more easily. Yeah. So yep. the yep. ability for you guys to keep that sort of constant flow going back and forth over Zoom, like that's for especially for like what hour forty five, two hours. Like that is that is easier said than done a lot of times. We've never done an episode in person, Russ. Never. Right. No, no, and I think we hang so out in person all the time, but we've never done an episode yes. in person. Yeah, I, I think that's also a cool part about what we do because our schedules don't work for that. <laughs> uh, they like it's hard enough for us to be in the same, just to sit down for two hours to record. No, uh, we've been doing this thing in Vegas and New York and Atlanta yeah. and wherever. Yeah. Uh, shitty Wi-Fi, good Wi-Fi. Like yes. sometimes we got we got to make it work. Cell phone hotspot. Like we've done it all, and I, I think we've been able to rust uh, by the pool with kids screaming in the background. I, can I say like on on I'll say my favorite part about this year least okay. favorite part that might have been that like what was going on there why why were you at the pool I was why, promised, why did you why did you sit here let's just let's just find this out because I'm sure yeah. everyone else has been wondering this too why uh, when you're sitting there and saying I'm going to record a podcast for two hours and I need yeah uh, Wi-Fi and quiet did you think that a swimming pool would be the place to find either of those no, things a hundred <laughs> all right so. When did I you just like you the what, visual of you sitting no, at a pool for the video? It, is that what it was? Yes, but when I explain you okay. why I chose that location, yes, go ahead, like, man. okay. So right. I was with a friend hanging out at their um, condo, and he was like, "Dude, we have a great setup. You can go outside, get fresh air, record." I was in Houston, and uh, he was like, "Nobody's ever out here, especially it's the middle of the day when we're, you guys record. Nobody will be out there." It'll be perfect. Yeah. Plug now his condo light. is like indoors and has walls and stuff though. Well, yeah, but the outdoor area where I was, he doesn't like live the, at the um, pool. Well, no, they had a really like, they have one of the most extravagant pools I've ever seen in an apartment. Complex. Oh, it looks nice. Yeah. You know? Nice. So I was just like, Oh sweet. I'll go chill out. Have the sound of the water in the background. It'll be dope. And yeah. all of a sudden, all these kids come out there. Right. And then after we're done recording, I'm like, Bro, you said there's nobody. He's like, bro, it is never like that. I promise. Okay, this is all going on while we're like uh, tearing into the Blackhawks scandal. Yeah, we were going oh, through really? Blackhawks scandal. It's Cam, just the about worst sexual timing. assault, and now you have kids yeah. shrills in the background, and I'm just yeah. like, I can't just, believe I did this. Just it cannonballs was, was, and noodle fights going on in the background. <laughs> kids, and like, I want to get mad at kids being kids. But it's like, what was I supposed to do? But I was definitely thinking, like, where the hell are they, these kids' parents? Like, these kids just rolling around in water. <laughs> right. Nobody's kids here. doing running around having fun at a pool like if one of these kids like 
jump falls in the water like do i keep hiding that's gonna be you do i go, do I go save the kid or hey what that would do? be a great segment russ saves a child <laughs> in real time that'd be great or russ keeps potting and, and yeah, the child, yeah, yeah. You know, god forbid passes away yeah. um, russ just well that's not gonna happen but someone would save the kid but russ would just be sitting I, well, there going I, on I, and on about us out there it was me and the kid, these kids <laughs> i would hope somebody saves them russ would just be going on and on with some like uh max scherzer take yelling at the kid you'll be fine you'll oh. be all right You'll be all right. I like that. the other part. What what I might think might have been worse than that was uh, birds aren't real guy. Peter McIndoo. Yes, it was a shot worth taking. We took. I I like that we took a shot on that, and like I think our relationship works because we trust each other. Yeah, and I was like, I'm gonna trust my guy with this. Mm-hmm. It was the one idea of all of yours where I'm like. I'm glad we took the shot, but I don't think that one went in. It had high potential. Parts of it were good, but yes, overall, it was not <laughs> what I wanted it to be. Correct. Yeah. Um, favorite part about our year for me was I think the library episode uh, was us at our best, even though it was episode like two or three. Cam but smiled. Was, Cam laughed when you mentioned the library episode. What, it why was... The the Tony Library saga. Yes. Tony's for yeah. The recapping Tony. It was either uh, Tony confessing that he'd never been into a library, or the following week recapping his first ever visit to a library game. Yeah, because it played out. Because then he then I think it was uh, I may be wrong, but he hadn't gone. And then I followed along on several different forms of social media as Tony then <laughs> went to a library. It was like a it bored was out of his mind. Multi platform right. um, bits. I was great. It was very new age. Um, but that I think that's us at our like best, and I think the funnest part to me was the randomness of that entire like that conversation didn't that wasn't a segment. Yeah, it was loose. It that just kind of happened. Talking yeah, about that's... something totally different, yeah. and then Tony just thinking, yeah. "Yeah, I've never been to a library," and me going, "Wait, what?" And now yes. we have two episodes worth of content. It was so jarring, Cam, that I got away with saying that I rent movies at the library and no one really noticed because Tony's disgusting. revelation was more That's shocking. A disgusting sentence, but no, just I, I literally have no idea. Yeah, no, I flew over our head. heads. It's like a news dump. Yeah, yeah, a, a Chicago Bears news dump. Good job. You've been hanging out with the Bears too long. The, the Bears should announce their uh, their new uh, football operations structure like on our show right before Tony says something crazy like that. That'd be great. I'd buy it. They do it too. They like that. You joke, but they're going to be like, "Wow, that's a good idea." Maybe. Yeah, they're going to call Russ. They're going to call. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, just thanks to everybody who are our, the the fine folks out there who have tuned into our podcast each week. Um, you guys keep listening. We keep putting out content, and somehow, some way, you guys are still coming through, hitting play. So we appreciate you guys here at uh, Sports Adjacent and. You know, I'm looking forward to a, a really awesome 2022. It's great. I know, I know that both of you guys know this, Russ and Cam, because you guys are both creative types. Like It's the, one of the best things that can happen is when you're doing something that you like and you think is good and you find creative and entertaining and stimulating. And that would be good enough on its own for me. And that's all I ever really wanted to do with this podcast. And then for other people to also like it is even better. Like just, yes, come to the party. Yeah. Glad to have you. For sure.
Would you like to hear the news we didn't get to? Yes, please. Cam, as a guest, would you also like to hear the news that we didn't get to today? Yeah, I'd love to. Hell yeah. See, Cam knows how this game's played. Uh, The Bulls and Hawks played Monday in Atlanta with a combined 19 players out for COVID, plus Billy Donovan. Uh, The Hawks started, I I hope I'm pronouncing this right, Chandri Brown started him, and uh, he had signed that afternoon, Russ. Um, There have now been a record 541 players play in the NBA. At the time we're reading this, I'm sure it's higher. Five eighty by the time you hear this. Uh, Greg Monroe, if you remember that name, Greg Monroe played for Minnesota and uh, their coach said that he just met him like a couple hours before the game uh, for the first time. First time he'd ever met Greg Monroe and then he's playing him in a game. The last time Greg Monroe had played in a game was May 12th, 2019. So two and a half years ago and even longer since he had been, uh, you know, like a regular full-time player. Former Milwaukee Bucks first round pick, if I'm not mistaken. Like, George tell me, man. Yeah. yeah. The people are getting calls that, like, yeah. dudes are probably like, oh, damn. Um, Yeah, let me go find my shoes and, and jump on a flight. I, yeah. I, I wonder if teams are just going into, like, all those named old guys posts that everyone does. Like, let's name some NBA guys and be like, oh, like we should call yeah. him and we should call him. Like, finally, yeah. all those posts of databases are paying off. I want to see Chris Birdman Anderson back. Cam, let me ask you this on this subject, though. Uh, it's either it's either play it this way or don't play it. And we all went through the first few months of lockdown back in 2020 where there were no sports and yeah. we're watching old games on YouTube and stuff yeah. like that. Like, do you want to? play with whoever the team can find or do you want to shut everything down it feels wrong like i think we're at the point where this feels wrong like doesn't it like it just feels irresponsible and like i i I don't know i I think maybe you have to stop for a couple weeks here this just feels wrong i don't like the fact that now competition is tarnished like you're watering down the competition where if i'm a team that has you know, it's not like I did something wrong to catch the virus, right? Right. And now it, you're yes. making it seem like now I'm being punished for doing the right things because if I'm Zach Levine and I get vaccinated and I'm playing at a, a all-star level and the Bulls are playing great and now I get COVID, not through something I did wrong. Our whole team gets COVID because we have now an outbreak in the organization and the Bulls have to go sign Henry from yep. Whole Foods, who's bagging groceries. That doesn't seem fair now if we lose seven games in a row because this dude who hasn't played in the NBA ever or in seven years now has to come in and play. Like, I don't think that's necessarily fair for competition. So I don't think it's good for competition either. So, yeah, I, I, I agree with Cam. Like, a shutdown makes more sense, but clearly they're not doing that. It also feels a little bit dirty for like the NBA or the NFL or whatever it is being like, yeah, we don't care who's on these teams. Like we want our games. Like if I was an NBA player, I'd be like, man, this league doesn't really care that much about me. If like they're just finding anyone and any and everyone to just go play because we want to watch Hawks Pacers on a Tuesday night. Like (laughs) it's a tough look. I don't know. Basketball doesn't work like that, but football does. Yeah. I mean, basketball, the players are the brand, but in football, the teams are the brand. I mean, you can. You could swap out a couple dozen players on a team with practice squad players. I think people still watch that on a Thursday night. Oh, sure. Yeah. Which is kind of sad. I, I wouldn't, but yeah. I think a lot of people would. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Russ, are you familiar with Gilbert Arenas? 
Yes. <laughs> yes. His first career was uh, the NBA, and his second career was saying the wildest stuff you've ever heard in your life. Uh, he told Vlad TV, which I had not heard of before this, that he <laughs> yeah. was that he was basically broke as a rookie, despite his eight hundred fifty thousand dollars salary, and sometimes spent the night at Oracle Arena, not because he didn't have a place to live, to be clear, but because he he didn't have the gas money to get back and forth to the arena every night. So he would sleep at the arena. Uh, the reason that he could only afford it, basically what he's described as a $500 a month budget for expenses was because he had pre-spent all that money before he'd even been drafted. He was assuming he'd get drafted in the first round, get a couple million and was already out spending that money. One of the things he bought was an Escalade with five TVs installed in it. Um, so for all of those reasons, he had no money his rookie season and claims that he slept in the arena some nights. It's rough, man. Financial. I don't think I'm buying that he slept in the arena. I think he's over dramatizing. No, like knowing Gilbert Arenas, like maybe a little bit, yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't. Uh, yeah, I you feel like I these stories. Way I too believe often. the spin all the money. Yes, I believe that. Oh part. yeah, for sure. Yeah, okay. yeah. Where would he sleep in the arena? Do you think he just slept in the locker room? Well, I mean, they, well, they have places you can sleep in the arena. Like, for- is he sleeping like in a luxury suite somewhere? Well, I'm saying like there are places like players can go and like sleep. And yeah, they have lounges and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I have a hard time believing he slept in the arena. If you were going to co- cost, it'd be a pretty easy way to do it. As well. Yeah, like five hundred dollars a month budget. As an adult, like a hundred dollars <laughs> yeah. is really like ten. Right. <laughs> so that's you're yeah. not spending you're right. much. But no, I, he said I, mean, he- I, I imagine that he had to do like that. He said he had a girlfriend and he had two dogs and uh, both of those will cost you quite a bit of money. Yeah. More than 500 a month. Let me tell you. <laughs> so often he didn't have the gas money to get to and from work. So he would just sleep at work. He says uh, he went on to amass $163 million in career earnings. So it all ended up okay for it worked out. Gilbert <laughs> Arenas. I was, when I was uh, covering uh, the dolphins, there was a player who was a rookie and and it remind this story reminded me of it. He, uh, we would always ask the rookies, and this is still a question a lot of guys ask rookies. Like it's your first time being rich, you know? What did you get? What did you get yourself to celebrate? And uh, this guy was a third round pick, and he says, you know, I'm oh I'm not really a spender or anything. All I bought was a G wagon, uh, which I'd never heard of, but I didn't know what that meant. So I immediately Google G wagon and find out it's a Mercedes SUV. For those mm-hmm. of you who uh, also don't know. And uh, they're like $150,000. It looks like a Jeep. Yeah, Just except like triple Mercedes. the cost. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that guy was out of, the, out of the league in two years. Yikes. But he was out of the league with a G-Wagon. <laughs> oh, let's, hope he, let's hope he still had a Cam. Yeah, I think we know what Cam would do with money. <laughs> let's, let's hope they didn't take it away. Yeah, right. Sure. Russ, a punter is leaving college early to enter the draft. A punter? Okay. When's the last time you heard of that? Uh, San Diego State's Matt Areza, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, set because I don't watch a lot of college punting, uh, (laughs) set the NCAA record at 51.2 yards per punt this season, and he's gone. He's going pro. Apparently, he's a stud. Like, I don't, I just believe everything I say because I'm not going to like go do my own research on whether he's good or not. But everything I read said he's like the next, he's the Andrew Luck of punting. I mean, look, those are (laughs) bombs. What did you just say? I was like, going to let Cam have it. He's like a I thought, gonna, I thought he was going to say like Ray Guy. I almost saying, just accepted that as real analysis for a minute. 
I thought he was. I definitely thought a great about? guy was coming out. No, he's like a, he's a prodigy. Andrew Luck was a prodigy. He's the perfect <laughs> prospect. He's he's the he's the Steven Strasburg of uh, punting, I guess. Well, and this hopefully school, he ends so up same school. That one right. works. Yeah. Okay. Hopefully he ends up in the NFL city that appreciates punting the absolute most, which is here. Um, I I started looking up though, like if you're gonna leave early, you know, it's like where are you gonna go in the draft? I started looking up the highest drafted punters of all time, and I believe this name is Roan Stark. He went in the second round, uh, 34th overall to the Colts in 82. But the second highest punter ever drafted was Todd Sauerbrunn of the Bears in 1995. Second round, 56th overall. Yo, if you draft a punter over any skill position, yeah. dog. Yep. And people say uh, the Bears don't know what they're doing. <laughs> and they're right. Yeah. <laughs> you know why you would go pro though, Russ? The, the the one punter who was drafted this past year was Presley Harvin to the Steelers. Mm-hmm. He was drafted in the seventh round. That contract for a seventh round punter, rookie deal, is four years, three point six million. Almost a million dollars a year. That's why you go pro. You're yeah. not making that punting for San Diego State. And I something yes. tells me somebody's go gonna pro. draft him before the fourth round. I mean, either way, he's looking at that kind of contract. I mean, that's that's why you would do it. That makes I mean, sense. if he's one of the best kickers in the history of the NCAA, I, yep. he is, you, if he gets drafted in the third round, you're getting strong safety money. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you're doing pretty well. Boy, if he ends up with the Bears or the Jaguars. Um, Cam, are you familiar with Dr. Dre? <laughs> Marginally, yes. You've heard of him. I have, yeah. Uh, he of Beats by Dre. Yeah, That's what yeah. they're named after. Right. Good, right. good job, Jason. Uh, he settled his he settled his divorce with Nicole Young for one hundred million dollars. Now that wow. sounds like a lot, but TMZ reports that he is quote delighted with that outcome. Uh, he seems very happy about his divorce in general. He threw a party where he had you know how like you have the balloons that spell something out. His said in an it was an arched uh, spelling out of balloons. Russ that said divorced AF. And a picture of him sitting in front of it, smiling. I mean, knowing um, what, what, what Dr. Dre is worth. Right. Well, that's he, the thing. Whew, he has an estimated net million. worth of eight $820 million. So to get out of this uh, divorce settlement or dispute or whatever for $100 million, you know, not bad. Could be a lot worse. Yeah, you could be uh, Jeff Bezos or, or Bill Gates. Yeah. If you're if you're delighted about only paying a hundred million, I'm gonna believe you. Like I'm not, I have no reason to believe otherwise. Like sure, yeah, go for it. He gets to keep seven of the properties that they owned, including uh, what TMZ said is a one hundred million dollar Brentwood estate. Which I didn't, I didn't, I don't know, man. Maybe I'm naive or uh, you know just a normal person, but I didn't realize any house could cost a hundred million dollars. No, we either. talked about Lewis Hamilton's condo the other That's day. That's fifty. That was fifty. See, that's that's only, and that was just a. a, a that's in Lower apartment. Manhattan, I believe. Right. Uh, so he gets me. to keep full rights to his master recordings and trademarks, and he gets to keep the Apple stock, and uh, he gets to keep six cars, and she gets to keep four. Listen, after, dude. After a hundred million, like, does it matter anymore how much you get? Right. <laughs> like, you can have all the cars. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it's like you can have all that. So wait, does the estate that she gets 
equal $100 million, or does she get $100 million cash and then get to keep those other assets? She gets to keep some other things, uh, including like some jewelry and stuff. Uh, from what I read on TMZ was the news source for this. She is getting a $50 million payment now and another $50 million in a year. So it's $100 million and she gets to keep a couple million dollars worth of tens of millions some of dollars. Cars, some jewelry, maybe some other stuff, uh, probably some some property or something, you know. You know, little Ooh. stuff, Russ. Stuff that Dr. Dre's not going to miss. Lifestyle of the rich and famous. It's good work if you can get it. Ooh. Listen, and that was just a divorce. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Let me stop. <laughs> Let me stop. And finally, Russ and Cam. Uh, there's there's a uh, Cam, usually we end the show with animal news, a very important animal news story. There's just too much of it. So I, I got to run through like five or six different stories here for you guys, just so you know. It's just gonna be quick hitters. Yeah. There was a ton of animal news. Russ, an animal shelter in Detroit received a drop off of 497 parakeets on December 23rd. It's a lot. Yeah, a lot, it's a lot of parakeets. Then, then they got another 339 of them three days later. We're talking over 800 parakeets dropped off to one animal shelter. This is the most elaborate prank I've ever heard. It's a lot. Yeah. A man in Mayfield, Kentucky, found his cat, Maddox, uh, in the rubble of an office building nine days after the tornado ripped through there. He kind of went back to, like, see where his how his office uh, was, you know, the, the destruction and everything, and it was d- destroyed. And he heard a cat meowing, and he thought he was imagining it, and turns out it was Maddox. He survived nine days in the rubble. Shout out, Maddox. I don't like cats, but that's impressive. Yeah. What, Russ? No, I'm just listening. I I wouldn't survive nine days under the rubble. No, no, I get it. Maybe if I had my phone. Uh, A bicyclist (laughs) crashed into the back of a stopped car and flew through the back window. Uh, The uh, the reason that that happened was because a car, the car, uh, it was a Mercedes. The car stopped in the middle of the road to allow a goose to cross the road. And uh, I guess the cyclist was going too fast or just wasn't paying attention and rear-ended this car and flew in through the back window. He was okay from the uh, the BBC story that I read. Was the goose okay? I, I assume so. The car stopped for it. Uh, a French zoo, which, you know, you're already interested, I'm sure, when I start a sentence like that. Yeah, you know a French mean. zoo had to close because a pack of nine wolves escaped while they were open. And uh, they are saying, hey, don't, don't worry about this. At no point was the public in danger. I don't believe you. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. And finally, Russ, circling back to a very important story that we covered. Uh, do you remember the three zebras that escaped in Maryland from a place that uh, zebras yes. had no interest in being probably? Some guys farm in Maryland, you know, not really uh, what zebras imagine doing for fun. Uh, two of them have been returned in good health, I believe. So they have, the zebra fiasco is over. The other one died. But uh, two of them were returned in good health to that farm. Uh, that guy is currently facing animal cruelty charges. Charges. So um, this will probably not be the last we hear of this story. Before we before we get you guys out of here on Sports Jason today, um, it's a sad day uh, here in Chicago and and. And around the country, uh, we lost a long-time report, Bears reporter, 
Jeff Dickerson uh, to cancer today. And uh, anybody who knew Jeff Dickerson, like, loved him. He was one of those people, just like anybody he came into contact with, you fell in love with him. Um, I knew him briefly, a couple interactions with him working, uh, doing some stuff with ESPN 1000 here in town. Uh, I know you guys got to know Jeff on the beat. Um, it really sucks. Um, Jeff lost his wife to cancer as well. And so tons of prayers going out to their son, Parker, uh, who's now lost both his parents and the entire Dickerson family. Um, it's just really sad, really sad day. And it's, uh, it's, it's one of those things where we think about the last couple of years, like making sure the people that you love, like you let them know how you feel about them because life is precious, man. And, uh, Tomorrow's not promised, and you know it's uh, definitely a somber day for a lot of people. Yeah, he, uh, you know, he. I was always so impressed with how engaging he was across the board. You know, he. I was so impressed with how he was always able to be both the funniest guy in the room and and the kindest guy in the room and then when it called for you know the smartest guy in the room like he he was yeah. he was able to do all of these things so simultaneously and i always was so impressed with that and he you know i i think the the amount of 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 great stories and sort of heartwarming anecdotes that you've been seeing since this happened it sort of speaks to how universally beloved he was here and you know it's just it's 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 a heartbreaking story and uh, it just it sucks it sucks across the board it's been uh it's been a really tough day um you know we're recording this just uh we're recording this at night i heard about this this afternoon and um it's just i don't i don't i haven't been around a lot of people like jeff at in any aspect of my life but particularly at work i mean i just think of just what a bright personality he was just the energy the enthusiasm the kindness uh just such a sunny upbeat person i mean he really made your day better and walking into that room uh from day one as somebody that was new here didn't know anybody jeff jeff's your friend as soon as you walk in i'm sure you felt like that both of you guys when you dealt with him um it's just, uh, it, man, uh, Jeff Dickerson is really, really going to be missed. I know that everybody at large enjoys him as a media personality. Like he was great on the radio, great on TV, a great writer, did all these great things. But, and I'm just going to miss uh, just seeing Jeff every day at work was always a positive. And he was just the, the happiest most pleasant person to be around. And I, I checked in with Jeff. Jeff's been sick for a while. Uh, it didn't get this bad until more recently, but like I had checked in with Jeff at one point just to see how he was doing. And it, he was so a few months ago, like things were going a little bit better for him, a little brighter outlook, I guess. Um, he was so determined and he was so upbeat in spite of this. And uh, I, I could just imagine myself or a lot of people being so deflated by it, especially after having gone through what they went through uh, two or three years ago with his wife. And I, I admire 
Jeff so much for fighting through that and for I, I, I'm sure the hard work that he did with his son to get through that situation. And uh, I just, man, I'm really going to miss seeing Jeff every day. Kindness is uh, really underrated, you know, and, and you genuine kindness too. And he was that. And when we, uh, J- Jason, we talk about it a lot. Like sometimes people who don't have to be and go out of their way to be kind of people they've never met before. Like yeah. he made you feel like you've known him for 10 years, even if you, you just yeah. met. And uh, that, that hurts. And that do you see the, the outpouring of love that we've seen today that I know continued through the week. Um, it's a big loss. And I think the, not only the entire city, but people nationally are, are feeling that. And so, um, we're keeping Parker in our thoughts and prayers, especially, and, yeah. uh, yeah. yeah, it's that, that's, that's been the hardest part for me thinking about this all day is just like knowing what he's been through, uh, losing his mom and now losing his dad, like, that that breaks my heart and so yeah i know there's a the lot build, of the buildup of it happening too for i'm sorry russ go ahead no 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 no. i was just gonna say i know there are a lot of people in the city uh who love jeff dickerson and that love extends to parker um and people are gonna do everything you can make sure he's okay but uh go ahead I, i've only known jeff for three years because i've only been here for three years um I mean, he's been in the, he's been a Chicago media personality and for two decades. So there's so many people that know him better than I did. And I, I, I just know you're going to hear only this. I mean, this is all anybody's ever going to say about Jeff. It's just what a great, like you will not hear, you you will hear people, uh, obviously nobody's ever going to say anything negative in a situation like this, but you will, you will see and hear people and probably have by the time you hear this going out of their way to tell you what an incredible person Jeff was. And just, uh, just like I said, what a blessing he was to all of our lives, to everybody that encountered him on a daily basis. And I just uh, really appreciated that about him and admired it about him. Yeah. He had a, uh, ours, he had a, tremendous amount of perspective that I always really respected. You know, when, when it was time to watch Parker's football games, he was watching Parker's football games. And when, when he wanted to leave, he like, he, he had his priorities straight. And when it was time to do work, he worked like everything about the decisions he was making, whether it's about football or, you know, his life otherwise always were the right ones and, and admirable ones. And it was just, he, he was, across the board a great guy and it's just it, it sucks the way this is this sucks um that's gonna do it for this week's episode of sports adjacent we appreciate everybody out there as always for listening um our truly minute when we we had our sports adjacent year in review like we really appreciate everybody who's been with us this entire year as we started this this journey um podcasting and you guys have been with us there from the beginning and we hope that this year leads into an even better 2022. And we're excited for where this thing goes. For Jason Leader, my co-host, uh, our good friend, Cam Ellis, who jumped on with us today. Cam, thank you. As always, I'm Russ Dorsey. We will catch you guys next week.